welcome to this week's sermon from C3 Church Narara. We hope you enjoy this message. For more information or to contact us, visit c3church.narara.net. to that table. Thanks, Eleanor. Let me bless you before we start. Father, we thank you, Lord, that, um, that you speak to each one of us in our hearts and in that place you cause us to hear and you cause us to see that uh, you're alive and you're good and you're very near. And we bless you today, Lord God. We um, thank you for this moment that we have. We bless our pastors as they're not here, Lord God. They're with us in spirit and we bless them today. We thank you for their commitment, Lord God, to preach the gospel, to build your kingdom in this place. And yeah, we thank you for them. And we thank you again just for your presence speaking to each one of us today in Jesus' name. Amen. Great. Grab a seat. Thanks for Coasty versus Westy. Never been pig chasing. Lived on the coast for 30 years. I'm with the beach people. Go to the beach. Beach is awesome. Well, I hope you're doing well. If you didn't know, God is good. He's very good. And even if your experience isn't good, he is good. He is young. Some people think he's old. He might be the ancient of days. But he's not an old person. He's youthful and full of life and full of good and has good for you. And uh, it's interesting because we don't always experience good. And it's funny because there's this sense that when we aren't experiencing good, it's like it's wrong or something. It's like it's not supposed to be there. And true, in some ways, God's original intent was that the world was good and he created the world and he called it good and he said this is good and he created people and he called them good and and it was good to start with but then through sin it changed and here we are today and so we don't always experience good and we've already had this morning a bit of a taste of just a couple of things I want to sort of come at this morning. Leah talked about God silencing fear. We sang that song, Jesus, you silence fear. Jesus, you make the darkness tremble. And she said that God wants to set some people free for some, from fear today, from a few fears. Well, that's true. God does want you to be set free. And then Eleanor spoke, and she sp- spoke about going through whatever it is and in a lifetime of moving forward and if you read through the Bible and this is going to be really deep right now if you read through the Bible it's full of people oh let me take it a bit deeper it's full of people and they all went through all kinds of different things they went through some stuff some of them walk with God and we learn some great lessons how they walk with God what they went through some of them walked without God and they went in a direction and we learned from them but they all went through things but all those people they're dead they're not alive today but you're alive and you're here and you're going to go through some things 
and you're going to have some challenges. And it's your turn to walk with God. And it's your turn to go through. And it's your turn to go through some fearful things. I went into a place last, no, the week before last, went into this place. They wanted some stuff that we do. They wanted some service that we provide. And I went in there and it was a hospital and it was in a mental health area of a hospital. And the guy had to put a little clip on his belt in case someone attacked him. Because if someone attacked him, then he would fall over. And as soon as he hit the ground, this alarm would go off and they would know where where he was. And I was alarmed by that. I was like, oh, we're going in there. And I'm looking around and there were some people with issues in there. And I'm thinking, oh, this is all right. I've been in these places before. But I was slightly concerned and a little bit afraid. And I went in and I'm thinking, wow, people have got some serious challenges in this place. People have got some deep fear that they're going through. And I heard some of the nurses talking about some of the stuff that this one guy, he was just set on suicide. That was it for him. He'd come to terms with that and I was like wow what he's just come to terms with it and they're just having this conversation I'm waiting to go in I'm thinking wow look at these deep issues you've just got to turn on the tv these days and there's all kinds of stuff going on there's all kinds of fears happening and we sang a song and we declare Jesus you silence fear Jesus you make the darkness tremble Jesus Jesus Almost tempted to sing it for you. I shall gladly do so in song form. You silence fear. But that's not our experience. Because sometimes fear is very loud. Fear is very confronting. And we all have different challenges and at different times. And we're only really faced with fear when we're set up in the circumstances for it. And fear comes from things from the past. Fear comes from the devil, yes. Fear comes from all kinds of places. I woke up one night and my heart was beating funny. I'm thinking, what? It was several years ago. And I'm, I was like, what, what is going on with that? And I just realised I was just going through, I was just working a bit too hard, doing big days, little kids, up, and, up at night. And then I realised I was actually getting older. It's getting older. I was in my 30s. How do you go on there? It's all relative. It's all relative. And, uh, and then I started getting thinking, what if I die? Thought came into my head, true. What, what, if, what, if, what if there's something wrong with my heart? What if I start to, what if, what if this just gets worse or something? Ended up going to the doctor, they... They put this, I had to wear this machine for a weekend and monitor my heartbeat and all this stuff. And there I was, still quite fit. I'm still reasonably fit. I'm not in my 30s anymore. But I was playing first grade soccer at the time. I was doing pretty well. But this fear, this thing, and I just sort of got this thing, but just had to sort of look at some different areas of my life, change my diet slightly, get a bit more sleep, pray a bit more, just be less stressed. And it was simple. It just sort of faded away, walked through that. But for a little while, I was freaking out. This voice just kept going, what if, what if you're getting old? This voice just kept coming, what if you this, what, what if, but you want to be, you want to live long. You want to walk your daughters down the, oh, what if I miss out on them? Where are you? It just can get worse. People get all kinds of anxiety and stuff. It's true. 
There are different voices, different fears that come on people and Jesus silences all of them. All of them. Everyone that you walk through. Everything that you go through, he knows about. It's not like he freaks out when you go through something. It's not like he started freaking out for me. Oh, gee, Boron, your heart's beating. Your heart's beating not like it used to. You must be getting old, son. He doesn't freak out. He doesn't let us go through anything that we can't handle. He's always there. He's always for us. He's never against us. He's always there to lift us up and build us up and set us free. But there are, there are voices. I remember years ago, coming to Christ, seven years later, and so I was in my early 20s and came to Christ, so about 30, and I, and I decided that Sarah and I were going to get married. Started courting Sarah. We're going to get married. And I didn't realise it at the time, but I was actually somewhat afraid of that and you don't realize fear until you're confronted with it and so we start this this courtship and it's all in the past now and it's not a fear that that I worry about because I've been married for 10 years so it's something that you move through is whatever fear comes to you it's to be moved through with the Lord so anyway we get to a point where we're we're, we're coming or we're going to get married and it comes to this point, and what I do is I'm, I, I'm confronted with all these fears from the past. I'm confronted with these decisions that I made years ago from different things, from different experiences. And so I back out. I call it off. I say, no, I can't do this. And I broke up with her. You've forgiven me, haven't you? Oh, she doesn't even remember. God bless her. Eh? She doesn't even remember. But I remember because it was loud in my head. This fear. What what love? Fear of love. What is that? Fear of love. Fear of getting close, letting someone into my heart. Fear, no, I'm contained here. And that's what fear does. Fear puts a containment shield around you. And fear can be on the outside. Most fear is on the inside. It's going on on the inside. Watching this awesome Star Wars movie. And uh, they're in jail and they're talking about breaking out of jail. And the blind guy goes, I sense you carry your prison everywhere you go. I sense you carry your prison everywhere you go. And that's what the devil wants to put on people. He wants to contain them in a place where they're contained. When the Israelites went to go into the promised land, a 12-day journey, Moses sent 12 spies. He sent them into the promised land. Go and spy out the land. Check it out. See who the people are. See who's in there. See what the country, the place is like. Check out the, the, um, the food, what's going on. And so they go in, 10 of, 12 of them. 10 of them come back and spread a negative report. Two of them are like, yep, Caleb and Joshua. Joshua says, we can certainly do it. We can go in there full of faith, no fear. The rest of them go, there are giants in the land. We cannot take these people. I mean, at what point did they forget about God right there? Because they've just walked through the Red Sea on dry ground. I don't know what happened. But anyway, what happened was that they spread a bad report amongst the people and all the people grumbled. They wanted to stone Moses, but then the presence of God came. It came right beside them and they all stopped. And because of their complaining and because of their fear, They were in a contained place for 40 years until all that fear and all that doubt was gone and then Caleb and Joshua went into the promised land. 
But they were in a contained place. They were just living in tents. They were just in the desert. And that's what fear does. It causes people to shrink back, to pull back, to hold it. I'm comfortable here. I'm comfortable here without my fear. And there are all kinds of fears. Fear, fear of spiders. I love fear of spiders because one of the guys at work is afraid of spiders. And whenever I find one, I try and flick it on him. I know it's mean. I know. He's an Englishman and he loves it. He loves me. But a lot of fears, fear of failure, not letting yourself get out just in case you fail. Well, you're probably going to fail, but you just keep moving forward. Fear of people, fear of rejection, fear of confrontation, fear fear of love, fear of the dentist, fear of death, all kinds of fear, all kinds of fear all the time. And people hold back and are contained by fear and we see that Jesus has silenced the fear. And I want to look in 1 Samuel chapter 17 about someone who went through fear because you're going to go through some stuff. And if you go through fear, you'll come out the other side. And I want to talk about David and Goliath because Goliath is a very fearsome character, a very fearsome character. David and Goliath. Goliath is one of these descendants of the giants that the Israelites first encountered in the promised land when they were first afraid of. And the amazing thing about Caleb in that story is that when they go into the promised land, his inheritance has a mountain and on that mountain is five of these giants living. And at 85 years old, he goes and he defeats these giants. Full of faith, full of believing in God. So in 1 Samuel in 17, it says this. Now the Philistines gathered their forces for war. Saul and the Israelites assembled and camped in the valley of Elah and drew up their battle lines. So the Philistines are on one hill, the Israelites are on the other hill, and here they are, there's a valley in between. Saul is the first king of Israel. And let me just give you a little bit of history. Saul is chosen by God and he's anointed by God to be the king. But he's a bit rash, he's a bit proud, he takes matters into his own hands, he doesn't listen and the anointing that God gives him comes off his life. And so God then places the anointing on this other guy, David. And David has a couple of, he's a couple of attributes, a couple of things that he has that line him up previous to this encounter with Goliath. And it says, A champion named Goliath, who was from Gath, came out of the Philistine camp. He was over nine feet tall. Some measurements have him at 12 foot. So this guy is a seriously big dude. He's seriously intimidating. He's massive. He's covered in armour. He's covered in scaled armour. The thing wore nearly weighed nearly 100 kilos. He's wearing this thing. I always wonder why he has a shield bearer because he's got so much armour on and he's got this shield bearer who carries his shield in front of him. I don't know, that bit just didn't make sense to me. So Goliath 
He had a bronze helmet on his head. He wore a coat of scale armour of bronze weighing 5,000 shekels. On his legs were bronze greaves and a bronze javelin was slung on his back. His spear shaft was like a weaver's rod and its iron point weighed 600 shekels. His shield bearer went ahead of him. Goliath stood and shouted at the ranks of Israel, Why do you come out and line up for battle? Am I not a Philistine? Are you not the servants of Saul? Choose a man and have him come down to me. If he is able to fight and kill me, we will become your subjects. But if I overcome him and kill him, you will become our subjects and serve us. Then the Philistines said, This day I defy the ranks of Israel. Give me a man and let us fight each other. On hearing the Philistine words, Saul and the Israelites were dismayed and terrified. They were dismayed and terrified. So here's this guy. They had a good army too. They didn't have a small army. The Israelites were well equipped at this point. But this one guy, this one voice to intimidate, this one voice to declare, you guys are losers. You guys haven't got it. You guys aren't good enough. None of you. You can't do that. You can't do that. Has anyone ever heard that before? You can't do that. You can't do that. This guy is just pointing the finger, yelling at them. And then David enters. Now David. Now let me give you a little bit of history on David. David was known previous, just previous to this, God said, I'm going to choose a person after my own heart. I've rejected Saul as king. I've rejected him as king and I'm going to choose this guy. And David was known as a person after, had a heart after God. I want to ask you this morning, how's your heart? How's your heart? Because this is number, number one, is have a heart after God. David has a heart after God and you can see it. He's just absolutely about his father's business. He's the most passionate shepherd I think there ever was. He looked after the sheep with such passion. I know what I would do, as the story goes, a bear and a lion come to take the sheep. I'd be like, sure, here's, take, take, take a sheep. Let's move the sheep on. There's a bear here. Actually, let's leave this old sheep out so the bear takes that one and let's get out of here. Plus, I've only got a stick and a slingshot. I'd want an armoured vehicle, thank you. Or a, something like 10 guys with swords at least. Come on. I want some better protection, Dad. Mate, this guy's got the best work ethic. So David has a heart after God. The first commandment is love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your mind, and with all your strength. And I, with these voices of fear and with different fears, I know that if you love God first, He will work in that place and, and take down those fears. So David has a focus on God. He's called a man after God's own heart and he maintains his heart for God. He maintains it by looking after his father's business. Jesus said, I only do what I see my father doing. I am about my father's business. That's what he was about. And that's what he set his heart to do. We live in a time when our hearts can go wherever and people say, I'm going to follow the dreams of my heart. I think, no, don't follow the dreams of your heart. Don't do that. Your heart can lead you anywhere. What wisdom do you have in your heart at the moment? Some of the young guys at work that work for me, they, they make these decisions and I think, wow, I'm not going to tell you what I think because you're not going to listen. Don't follow your heart. Let your heart 
follow God and then God will give you the desires of your heart. It's a, it's a sure bet. It's the best place to place your heart is in someone who has the wisdom for hearts. That's God. He knows all about bring your heart to God. Let your heart be about your father's business. David was all about his father's business. He was going back and forth, tending the sheep. He got promoted to looking after, to going into the king's presence. He went into the service of the king, but he still looked after the sheep. He was going back and forth from King Saul, going to King Saul, coming back, looking after his father's business. If you want to keep your heart right with God, look after the father's business. Look after what God has entrusted you in the house of God. Look after your father's business. The other thing I observed that David is, is that he is anointed. He is anointed. It says that, the pro- that God spoke to Samuel the prophet, go and anoint David in Bethlehem, in, in this place. Go and anoint him. Samuel looks at all the brothers goes to David's father, Jesse, haven't you got another, another son? He's like, oh, yeah, the forgotten one that's out with the sheep. That guy, bring him in. He's the next king, that guy, David. And he anoints him with oil. And they did that in the Old Testament. They anointed people, the prophet. God would speak to the prophet. The prophet would anoint different things and different people for different purposes. And here is David, and he's anointed. When Jesus came, before he started his ministry, he comes to John the Baptist a baptism of repentance. He comes to him and he says, John, you need to baptise me. John goes, what? I need to be baptised by you. You can't be baptised. People are coming to John from everywhere. They're coming down into the water, a baptism of repentance. They're coming down into the water and back out, dead to the old, dead to the old sin, alive in Christ, dead to the old, alive in God. Why does Jesus need to do that? He doesn't have any sin. He's not getting dead to the old, alive in God. He did it to fulfill righteousness. He did it to submit and humble and bring himself low. He came from heaven, surrendered all of heaven, came down, became a man, and then got lower and lower and lower and lower and served and just submitted himself fully to all of us. The King of heaven submitted himself, all of us, and the anointing came on him as he came up out of the water where everyone else was confessing their sins and moving on and moving forward. He came up out of the water. He didn't have any sin to confess. He just confessed the glory of God. He just confessed the goodness of God. And at that moment, heaven was open and a voice came and it said, this is my son who I'm well pleased. And then the anointing came on him. The anointing. Open heaven. We have an open heaven in this place. We have an open heaven in this world. God's presence fills the earth. The way to tune into it, everyone's tuning in all kinds of different things. We tune into it. We tune in by the Spirit. We tune in when we lay our lives down at the cross. Surrender everything that we got to the Lord. That's His call. The anointing will come on your life. He will give you power and strength to overcome, to walk through everything that He's called you to walk through. The anointing came on the disciples. Jesus said, wait in the upper room. So they waited and waited and waited. And at the right time, when they're all in a prayer meeting, when they're all surrendering, yes, we're going to wait for you, Lord, the Holy Spirit came on them. The church was birthed and here we are today. It's still happening. People are laying it down, laying it down. The anointing came on him. 
and the anointing comes on you and God wants to have an open heaven over your life. He's just busting for it. So let me put an open heaven over your life. Eleanor spoke about the favour of God. Let me put an open heaven over your life. And it doesn't mean that there's no fear, but it matters what we focus on. It matters what we surrender to. And here David is anointed. He's anointed. He has God's presence. And he surrendered to, surrendered to it. All right, so where was I up to? Now David. So the Philistine is declaring. But here he is, David, who's about his father's business, who's fully courageous because he's fully anointed. And he enters the scene. And his dad tells him, I'm going to skip over a bit because it's a 60-verse chapter, and if I read it, I'll be here for hours. So his father, he's tending the sheep, and his father, his father says to him, look, take these 10 cheeses, these 10 loaves of bread, take all this stuff and go to the army. They're fighting the Philistines. They're in this place. Go over there, take some supplies, see how your brothers are doing. At this point, Jesse's pretty old. It says he's well advanced in years and he probably thought he should have been at the army, but he's too old. So he sends David, take this stuff. As David arrives, they, they, they're making their battle lines and Goliath comes out with his taunt and he's come out for 40 days. 40 days he's been doing this every morning and every evening. You guys are a bunch of losers. Send a man to fight me. Bet you can't. You can't do it. Look at you up there. That's it. Go and hide in your cave. Stay in your contained place. Who wants to take me out? No one. Right. 40 days every morning and every evening. Every morning and every evening. This taunt and this voice that comes. This voice that comes and it comes. And all they do is run and hide. So David gets there and he's like, what? Who's this uncircumcised Philistine? which I think is a bizarre thing to say. Who's this guy? We're not going to go into that, are we? Or have we? Who's this guy that hasn't had the operation? Look about King of the Comebacks there. Who's this uncircumcised Philistine? Who's this guy Who's not anointed? Who's this guy who's not part of the covenant agreement? Who's this guy? He's not speaking against us. He's speaking against God. If God is for you, who can be against you? What voice can get in your head and pull you down if God says that you're awesome? But sometimes we just let these voices come and they just get in up here and they cause in here to get all contained. Because at this point in time, the Israelite army, who are quite well off at this point, are running and hiding. And Saul, where's Saul? He's just sitting in his tent, unanointed, offering a reward. Someone else go and fight this guy. Saul should have been the guy to go and fight him. He was the biggest guy there. He was the guy anointed king. But God's favour and hand had come off his life and now he had a place of fear to sit in, his tent. He actually should have dealt with the Philistines several chapters earlier. You read about his son, Jonathan, attacking the Philistines and defeating him. At that point, he should have continued that, but he doesn't. He does his things his own way, and now this problem that he once had is now back. 
bigger and louder than ever. And it's the same problem that ends up taking his life because he's killed by the Philistines. There's a whole message in that. So who's this guy who hasn't had the operation? All right. So for 40 days, the Philistine came forward every morning and every evening and took his stand. Now, Jesse said, uh, I've read that bit. I've actually uh, abbreviated that bit. All right, if we skip down to what David does, and I just want to look at a couple of things of what he does. The first thing he does is that he asks about the reward. What's the reward? Everyone wants a reward. It's amazing when you have kids, they they want to be rewarded all the time. But there are rewards. There are rewards. And the, the reward that we get out of all of this is the Lord. He says to Abraham, I am your great reward. When Abraham is looking for a son and he's looking for different things, he says, I am your reward. And if you wonder what you get out of all of this, you get the Lord and what a reward it is to have. And yes, there will be many blessings. He will fill your life with favor and good things and give you good things as you walk through whatever you've got to go through. But the reward is the Lord. But David asks about the reward. So it's fine to ask about the reward. God is your reward and he is good and he will bless you. And the reward for David was to get the king's daughter in marriage, to be exempt from taxes, his whole family. It's a really good reward and some riches. And, and so he asks a couple of times and his brother has a go at him. He's critical and he just sort of shrugs that off and he continues. And King Saul finds out about it and he says to the king, and this is, this is so important for us. If we're going to go through some fear, if we're going to stand up against fear, it's so important that we speak into it, that we speak confidently and that we speak with faith. And it's not based on how you feel because fear can be crippling. It can make you feel really small, really small. But it's important that we stand and that we speak and that we speak truth and we speak God's word. Ruth preached a a powerful message about a month ago and she said, she came out and she started a message and she just went, life and death are in the power of the tongue and those that love it will eat its fruit. And that's true. The first purpose of speaking is that this whole God spoke and it was. And I think that's why he doesn't speak too much because just things would just happen like he just say he speaks through his word and he's always speaking but imagine if he just kept going with creation it'd just be like planets and galaxies and maybe that's what it is but but he speaks into it and he speaks faithfully And Saul tries to put his own armour on him. He says, I can't go in these. All right. Meanwhile, the Philistine with his shield bearer in front of him. So David goes down into the valley to fight this guy. He comes down into the valley to fight Goliath. He comes down into this valley to fight Goliath. And life 
has ups and downs. There are all kinds of mountaintops and celebrations, all kinds of valleys and things that you go through. But the Bible doesn't say I camp in the valley of the shadow of death. The Bible doesn't say I stay in that place. No, it says I walk through the valley of the shadow of death. I walk through. I go through. And so he, he knew where he was going. He went straight into it. And he went into it and, it, and he runs at Goliath. It says, Meanwhile, the Philistine with his shield bearer came. He looked David over and saw that he was only a boy, ruddy and handsome, and he despised him. He said to David, Am I a dog that you come at me with sticks? Remember, Goliath is like over 12 feet high. Like his head would be well through the ceiling. And David is like, Josh, stand up. Come on, buddy. Here we go. You can be David. Hey, how old are you, Josh? 18. Yes, pretty much. Around that. He said, stand up again. He's fine and ruddy. Hey, where you go? Stand up. Look at him. Everyone's looking at you. It's because you're fine and ruddy. You can sit down. Thank you. He was a young boy. He was a young boy. This whole story is somewhat ridiculous. Imagine if I came up to you and went, oh, did you hear? But the thing is, we've got, we've got the history. We know the previous. We know the after. We know how David does up. But imagine if you never heard that. Did you hear? There was this boy. And he was, he was young. He was like the size of that guy. And what he did, there was this giant. And the giant had all this armor and all this weaponry. And he went, and the boy had a slingshot. And I think he had a stick. Yeah, they said he had a stick. And he, the boy threw a stone at him and knocked him out. Does it sound true? Does it sound real? It sounds hilarious. It sounds ridiculous. It sounds like, what? How did this happen? How did that happen? It's just silly. It's a silly story. It's one of the Bible's silly stories. Why is there a giant anyway? Who believes in giants? Who, who are these sons of Anak or descendants of Anak anyway? These giant people. Do I really believe? Is it? Did it? It's in there. came at him with a rock. The guy had scale armor and a spear and a, a massive sword. He had a head thing on. He was just like covered. But he just, let me tell you, the weapons that we use are not obvious. The weapons we use are not normal. They're not carnal, but they are mighty. And they are in your hands. Whatever is in your hand. God says to Moses, take what's in your hand. Take what I've given you. And I have given you supernatural power. I've given you my word. I've given you all that I have. You might not think you got anything, but let me tell you, you got all of heaven backing you up. You got all that God is 
All that He is, all that He has is for you. The, the Bible says the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but they're mighty for demolishing strongholds. And David went down into the valley and he said, I come at you. He says, you come at me with a sword, the spear and the javelin. But he said, I come at you in the name of the Lord. And this day I will strike you down and I will cut off your head. That's what he said to him. Josh, can you stand up again? Can you say that to me? This day I will strike you down. It doesn't seem real, does it? It doesn't seem right. But this is what God calls us to do. He calls us to take a stand in the valley. He calls us to stand against fear. The Bible says it's for freedom that Christ has set us free. But sometimes we're just contained by those past experiences or whatever it is. It's so important that we make a stand and we stand for who God is and we stand with what He has given us. And He has given us weapons. And you might not realise it, but they are mighty for demolishing strongholds, mindsets and arguments that present themselves against God. Trappings and fears that contain you. You're not meant to be contained. You're meant to be free about your father's business, a heart of worship, full of life, full of joy. Free in God. So David said to the, the Philistine, you come against me with sword and spear and javelin, but I come against you in the name of the Lord Almighty, the God of the armies of Israel, whom you have defied this day, the Lord will hand you over to me and I will strike you down and cut off your head. Today I will give the carcass of the Philistine army to the birds of the air and the beasts of the earth and the whole world will know that there is a God in Israel. All those gathered here will know that it is not by sword or spear that the Lord saves for the battle is the Lord's and he will give all of you into our hands. Wow. Those battles of fear, whatever they are, They're in God. They're God's. And when you align yourself in Him, when you align your heart in Him, He will fight those victories for you. Can I have the band come up, please? Come on, why don't we stand and pray this morning? And I don't know if you've got different fears, if something's resonated in you, but I do know that if you walk with the Lord, whatever fear comes against you, He will fight for you and He will fight in you. And all those stories, all those people, they're all gone, as I said. And now it's your turn. You're here. You're alive today. And John Finn Kelty was here not that long ago, a couple of months back. And he, he, he shared how he heard a voice after every... He's a minister from Western Australia. He came and he did some stuff with our leaders in our church and it was great. And he, he shared how every time he preached the message, he heard this voice. And this voice said, oh, that wasn't that good. Oh, that, that, that didn't work. Every, every time. And then he got some people to pray and the voice went away. 
And I don't know if the devil comes at your head with this thing or that thing or this fear or that fear. Whatever it is, it's different for everyone. Different challenges, different acceptance, different value. But when David cut off that voice, when he cut the head off that voice, that spirit sort of lingered on and it sort of continued. Previous to this, when the devil tempted Adam and Eve and he got them to sin and sin came and they were kicked out of the garden and the curse came, God prophesied this. He said, he will crush your head, speaking to the servant. You will strike his heel, but he will crush your head. He will crush that voice, that one, the tempter who comes, the deceiver who comes, the liar who comes to say that you're not worth it. You're not good enough. You can't do it. That guy. And so Jesus comes and when he's hanging on the cross and he's taking the weight of sin for all humanity, for all of time, he says this, he says, it is finished. It is finished. And all authority in that moment, the devil thought he was winning. He thought, that's it, I've got him. But he didn't realise that at that moment, as that cross was being lifted up and as that death was happening, he didn't realise that whole thing was coming down on his head. It was taken down his head because that place was called Golgotha, which translating is place of the skull or skull of Goliath. And when that cross was held up there and it came down, boom! It crushed his head. And Jesus took those keys and all authority was given to him in that moment. And that voice to intimidate, that voice, that spirit to bring fear, it might come against you. It might say that you're not valuable. It might say all kinds of things, but it's just a word. And God shows his value. He has unmeasured value for you today. And he will walk you straight through whatever fear if you hand over your heart to him. We hope you've enjoyed this week's sermon. For more information or to contact us, visit c3church.narara.net.